that you are here this morning and are excited about uh, what God's going to do in this place. And we pray that you will uh, be praying for Pastor again as he is as he is preaching this morning to a church. That he's, he is an encouragement to them. And this morning there is a prayer request that we do have for you. Uh, Mary Davison called in and uh, she said that she had to take Doug to the hospital again. So he is at U of M and uh, has some blood pressure and GI issues. And uh, so if you would pray for them that uh, the doctors would be able to find some answers soon. Um, they're just uh, a, lot of, a lot of health issues with Doug. And so we're praying that um, God does something in his life and give doctors wisdom. Uh, you may have seen that uh, there's some gentlemen over here that are making some ruckus. Uh, they're helping me this morning. And uh, there's nothing like a visual that will help you uh, to understand a biblical concept. And so uh, one of the things, Benaya, you can come on up here. Uh, one of the things that, uh, that if you've never had access to or been part of a, come on over here, been part of an activity where you get to be inside a bubble ball, uh, this is a lot of fun. And so our teens have these and some of the parents and teens have, uh, have used these. And it's al always fun watching a father and a son go head to head and uh, in, a, in a very peaceful way uh, to uh, find out who can knock the other one over. And the, the reason that we can do that is because this is safe. Like inside of here, if you've never been in one of these, inside of here, if you get knocked over, uh, you can tuck in and Beniah literally can tuck himself in there and we can just roll Beniah around and he is not going to get hurt. As I was thinking about the message this morning, and, and we will be in the book of Daniel in just a minute, but as I was thinking about the book of Daniel and, and the thoughts this morning, my mind went to this game, uh, this activity that we do. You see, this activity, one of the reasons that, that we can send fathers and sons or two teenage boys charging at each other at top speed and they run into each other and nobody gets hurt is because we know that in here they are safe. But Nye is not going to get hurt. He's not going to run in. He could run as fast as he wanted to into that wall, and he would not get hurt because inside of this, he is safe. And I believe that this represents not only what we want for our children, but we want for what we want for ourselves is that we want a faith that is safe. We want a faith that when the world comes up against us and bumps against us, that we are not going to get hurt, that that faith that we have is going to protect us from the bumping and the pushing that the world is doing to us. As a believer, we have, if you, you can't, maybe you can see this, maybe you can get a, a glimpse of this later if you wanted to, but in here, uh, each one of these circles is attached to a string that goes to the other side that keeps this thing so it's not going to lose its form. This whole unit represents our faith, and these things represent the truths of our faith, the doctrines that we believe in, the things that we hold dear that keep this thing bound together. And as long as we keep this inflated and we keep this, uh, keep all of these truths intact, we think that whatever the world throws at Beniah, Beniah is safe. But if you play this game 
and you are simply trying to remain safe, you'll never enjoy what this was created for. This is not created for Benaiah to tuck himself down in and just let the world pummel him. This is created for Benaiah to run as fast as he wants to into somebody else. Not me. You see, this is not a defensive game. This is an offensive game. Because his faith is not designed for him just to sit and stay covered and hold up so that the world, when it attacks, he could peek out every once in a while and say, see, I'm still alive, and hide back down in. Our faith is designed for us to live an offensive life, not to be offensive, but to live an offensive life in this world. But what I'm afraid, Benaiah, can you come stand over here? What I'm afraid is that what we are giving to our children and what are we are giving to the people that are around us and not just kids. I don't want you to think that this is just for children. This is for each and every one of us this morning. What I'm afraid that we're doing is we are giving our kids, we are giving the people that we live with, we are giving our families, we are giving our coworkers a faith that looks like this. When this should be our faith, when we should be inflated and when we should be secure and sure and know exactly what we believe, that when the world pummels us, that we're able to withstand it, but that we also can push back against the world when it pushes on us. If we have this kind of faith, what happens is that this just becomes heavy. This just becomes useless and what happens is that people, when the world pummels them, when they have to live an offensive life, that they go running at something when they think that we tell them that this is what your faith is for. You're able to run into the world and be able to hit the things head on. We send our kids, we send our family, we send our neighbors, we send the people in church into a wall, into problems and difficulties with this And they end up putting that down. Don't put it down. They end up putting it down and saying, this is useless. I don't know why I even have this. I don't know what the benefit of this is. You say it's helpful, but I find no help in the system that you've given me. If you open your Bibles to the book of Daniel, these, these young men will be standing here for a little bit. In the book of Daniel, we're going to move quickly through the first six chapters of Daniel this morning. And I hope that you will see something here today that will help you to have a faith that looks like this that you can run into the world, that you can tell your neighbors and your friends as they face difficulty, I have something that I can tell you about. I have something that I can show you that will help you to be able to face whatever difficulty and problem you have. And rather than our neighbors seeing us say, well, I have this thing. I have this, I grew up underneath. I have, I have, I don't know how to explain this, but I have this thing. Sometimes it's really heavy. 
Sometimes it's exhausting to carry. But I have it. But sometimes I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what benefit it is for me. We want to walk away this morning saying, I understand fully that my faith is full. That the tenets of my faith, the things that hold it together, enable me not to just take on the things of this world, but they enable me to drive into the world. In Daniel chapter number one, and some of these stories that we'll look at this morning, you may be absolutely familiar with. And I hope you are. But Daniel chapter number one, this is where Daniel is, is first introduced to us. Now, the thing that I find interesting is that before we get into the book of Daniel, Daniel was actually in Israel before he was taken captive. And Daniel grew up underneath the reign of King Josiah. Now, if you remember King Josiah, King Josiah was the one who, who started reigning when he was eight years of age. And King Josiah, he took over after his father and his grandfather who had abandoned God. And Josiah began to weed out the things that were evil in his nation. And Josiah ended up finding in the temple, he didn't find it himself, but somebody that he had commissioned did, found in the temple the Bible. And they took it out and they began to read the scriptures. And Josiah began to follow passionately after God. And Josiah began to reign in, with a heart that pursued God. And this is how Daniel grew up. Daniel grew up in a kingdom that was passionately, wholeheartedly searching and, and seeking God. And we wonder, how does Daniel approach the things that he faces in the book of Daniel it's because the faith that he had, that he was equipped with, was from a king that said, this is what your faith looks like, not that. If Daniel would have been given this faith, when he was tempted in Daniel chapter 1, and the king said uh, that you're going to get the king's meat and you're going to get the king's drink and you're going, to, you're going to live like a king for three years, Daniel would have said, absolutely, I am all in. I haven't had good food for a long time. But look what Daniel said in Daniel chapter 1, verse number 8. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel had a faith that makes a stand. You see, a purposed heart does not mean a compromised position. So many times we believe that if we take a stand on something, that we have to compromise the position that I have with the world. But I want you to look at verse number nine. Now, Dan now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. This, fa this faith that Daniel exhibited actually endeared him to those who were ruling over him. And when he took a stand, that stand was recognized and acknowledged. We need a faith that is willing to take a stand today. We need a faith that is willing to stand up for what is right. We need a faith. And, and notice that this issue was over something that we would say it is so small. And if you look back in the beginning of chapter number one, Daniel and his friends were not his three friends were not the only ones that were taken. There were dozens and dozens and dozens of people taken out of Israel. But Daniel had purposed 
in his heart that he was going to stand. And this morning, we need a faith that is going to stand. If you look at with me in, in Daniel chapter number two, we need a faith that makes prayer a priority. A faith that makes prayer a priority. In Daniel chapter two, in verse number 17 and 18, then Daniel went into his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven. What happened here in, in Daniel chapter 2 is that Daniel was in his house and a guard came in and was going to kill Daniel and all the leaders of the nation because they could not interpret the dream that the king had. Now, this, this dream, maybe you've never heard this story. The king was sleeping, and he had this dream, and he woke up, and he was scared by his dream, but he could not remember what the dream was. And so he brought in all of the soothsayers and all of the, the magicians and all the, the worldly leaders, and he said, I want you to tell me the dream that I had and the interpretation. And they said, King, if you tell us the dream, we can tell you what the interpretation is. And he said, no, he said, you're just wasting time. Tell me what the dream is and the interpretation or I'll have you all killed. They couldn't do it. And so they were all supposed to be killed. And Daniel and his friends were not there at that time. And the guard came in and said, Daniel, we're going to take you. We're going to kill you. And he said, why? And the, the guard said, this is the reason. And he said, take me into the king. And he said, king, if you will give me some time, I will tell you the dream and its interpretation. Daniel, in verse number 17 and 18, went to his friends and said, we must pray. This was not something new for Daniel. Prayer was part of Daniel's life. If we are going to have a faith that withstands and drives against the world, we have to have a faith that prays. So many times I am burdened for our students. When do they see the church pray? Does your prayer life consist of a prayer right before you eat? Does your prayer life consist of a prayer of emergency? The only time God hears from you is when there's an emergency going on in your life? Or does your prayer life exist as a result of an outflow of who God is? Prayer is a... Is a Look at, look, at verse number, look at verse number 19. Then the secret was revealed unto Daniel in a night vision, and Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things and knoweth that uh, what is in darkness and the light dwelleth within him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might and hast made known unto me now what we desire of thee, for thou hast made known unto us the king's matter. Prayer is a mixture of worship and intercession. 
So many times we go to God and it's simply, God, you know that I'm in a struggle right now. God, you know that we need this. God, you know that I, that I need your help. God, you know that I need your wisdom. And there is nothing wrong with going to God and asking for, for wisdom and, and, and things from him. But if your prayer life is simply a selfish prayer life, God, give me. God, help me. God, show me. Your prayer life is anemic. Our prayer life ought to be, notice in this verse, it was thank you, God, for, for being who you are. Thank you, God, for setting up kings. Thank you, God, and blessing the God of heaven. And we as a church need to gather together and pray and worship God and praise him for who he is. And when this time of, of singing that we do in the morning, this worship time that we sing, our hearts ought to be so in tune with God that this leads us to the throne of grace, that as we worship, we are praying these songs back to him. It's not just simply words that we're saying, but we are asking God to bless his name. Almighty God, thank you for who you are and what you do. And there's so many times I look up here and I don't want to embarrass him, but Paul Hamaker has tears flowing down his face. Because as he's singing these words, these, these words of these songs, it's not just a song he's singing. He is singing praise to the almighty God of heaven. And it's a flow that is going back to him that he's saying, God, thank you for who you are. And that ought to be every one of us as we're standing here and we're singing to the almighty God. But so many times we are so absorbed with our problems and with the things going on in our life that we, that we just hum these words back to him and they mean nothing to us. But there ought to be times that we're singing and we're worshiping God that the tears just begin to flow because we, we see and we understand the God in heaven, the almighty creator that loves us and gave himself for us is living for us, sent his son to die for us, was rose again for us so that we could spend eternity with him. What kind of God is that that would want me and would want you? But that is the God that we serve. And if we truly understand that that is the God we serve, it is so easy for us to pass along a faith like this instead of a faith like this that is anemic and suffering and waning and is lacking any kind of energy, any type of, of passion in it. We need a faith that prays and makes prayer a priority. You see, in Daniel chapter number two, the king's leader said, there is no man that can do this. But look at verse number 28. Daniel said, but there is a God in heaven. My friends, this morning, I don't know what you're facing or what difficulty you're going through, but there is a God in heaven that can meet any need that you have, any problem that is going on in your life, any situation that you don't know how to handle, anything that is uncertain, there is a God in heaven. And it is, it is important for us to understand that there is a God in heaven who is seeking to give us and bless us with good things. I'm not talking about wealth and prosperity gospel. I'm talking about a God who wants to shower us just like we do our kids, a God 
who gave us his only son. A God who wants to shower his love upon us. That doesn't mean money. That means that there is a God who is going to love us. There is a God in heaven. In Daniel chapter number three, this is Daniel and his, this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in Daniel chapter three, the king builds this huge statue and says that you're going to bow down to me. And he says, when the music plays, everybody's bowing down and he gathered all the people together and everybody, when the music began to play, bowed down except for three young men. And these young men, they stood and they stood firm. And in verse number uh, 24 and 25 is where we're going to be. They had stood and they had faced the trial and they had faced a, a king who said that if you don't, I will kill you. And they said, but we have a God. They had a faith like this that said, our faith is full. So no matter what you throw at me, I have a God who can protect me. Their faith didn't look like that. They were willing to stand and face death. You think that you're going to face death with that? One of, the greatest, one of the greatest confrontations that we had in these bubble balls was Will Nixon and his dad. Now, if you don't know who Will Nixon is, Will Nixon is like this, and he's like this. And he is all muscle. He looked at me and he said, hey, Pastor Chris, want to go? I'm like, no, I don't. It won't hurt. Yeah, it will. I don't, I don't, I'm not interested. Thank you. But Dave Nixon, who is like this and like this and all muscle. Dave and Will went running at each other. And I was like, this is going to be epic. And it was. But just as that confrontation was epic, so was the confrontation between Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Nebuchadnezzar. If you sit back and you watch the story unfold, you can see that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing with a faith that is full, and Nebuchadnezzar is coming full on, full force, ready to demolish them. And he binds them, and he heats the furnace seven times hotter and he takes his men and he says, men, throw them in the furnace. And the furnace was so hot that the men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and threw them in died because of the heat of the furnace. Verse number 24. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. You see, they had a faith that puts God first. 
in trials, in difficulties, we need to have a faith that puts God first because a trial is nothing more than God being able to reveal himself to an unsaved world. Nowhere do we see that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had saw the fourth person standing there in the fire with them. But from the outside, King Nebuchadnezzar is looking in. He said, hey, guys, didn't we, didn't we throw three guys in there? But I see four loose walking around. You see, the trial that they were facing was nothing more than that which set them free to live. They were bound, remember? But when they got in the fire, they were loose and walking around. Did you ever meet somebody or talk to somebody that's going through a trial? And you tell them, I see God all over this situation. And they're standing in the trial going, I think God has abandoned me. I don't know what's going on. And from the outside, you see God working. From the inside, they're being set free from that which was holding them back. This morning, I hope you're seeing something. When you are holding a deflated faith, it becomes exhausting. We don't want a faith that is deflated. We want a faith that is fun, joyous, happy, full. Is it heavy sometimes? Absolutely. But the thought of being able to run into somebody and knock them off their feet keeps you exhilarated. We need a faith that puts God first. Notice in verse number 28 of chapter number 3, Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, that trusted in him and have charged the king's word, at changed the king's word, and yielded their bodies, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. We need a faith that puts God first. Now chapter number 4. Daniel interprets another dream, but here's something that is important for our faith. If we are going to keep our faith full and not have it be deflated, here is a truth that is vitally important for us. Daniel is still serving King Nebuchadnezzar. For years he had been serving King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar has another dream and the, the men, the wise men, the sorcerers, the, the magicians could not interpret the dream. He told them what the dream was, but he, they couldn't interpret it. But Daniel could. And Daniel went into the king. The king told him the dream. And Daniel said, King, I know what the answer is, but I want you to see this phrase, this verse here in Daniel chapter number 4, verse number 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for one hour, and his thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. And Belteshazzar answered and said, so here's what's going on. 
he, Daniel goes in, whose name, was, he was given the name Belteshazzar. So that's Daniel. He goes in, he's given the dream, and for one hour, he is sitting there and he's going, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh, I can't believe this. And the king says, Daniel, don't be afraid to tell me. What does it mean? Notice Daniel's response. My Lord, the dream be to them that hate thee and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. How can Daniel say what the interpretation of this dream is? King, I don't want this to be for you. May this dream be for your enemies and those that hate you. May this dream not be for you. I, I would ask God that this dream not happen to you, if it could happen to anybody else, but not you. Nebuchadnezzar had kidnapped Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar had taken him captive and had held him in his country, in his foreign land. Nebuchadnezzar had not allowed Daniel to see his family. Nebuchadnezzar had caused Dan, changed his name to, rather than a, a, a Christian name, to a non-Christian name, a name after their god, Belteshazzar, whom Bel favors. He had done everything to change Daniel who he is. How could Daniel now stand in front of the king and say, King, I wish that this dream was not for you. Oh, I wish this dream was not for you. May it be upon your enemies. Because Daniel had learned the secret of forgiveness. The only way that Daniel could stand in front of the king was to, and to tell him, I wish this dream was for your enemies, was because Daniel had forgiven the king for what he had done. And he had realized that God had placed him in that situation for that time. We will never, we will never pass along a faith that is full as long as we are holding anger and bitterness and unforgiveness in our hearts. This morning, if you, are, if you have that going on in you, I would beg of you, have a faith that forgives. Daniel realized that faith was, that, that forgiveness was more powerful than hate. Because if you look at verse number eight, Daniel chapter four, verse number eight, but at the last, Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. So at the beginning of chapter 4, it's the name of my God. Look at chapter uh, 4, verses, number, verses 34 and 35. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven. So at the fulfillment of the dream time. And mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the name of the Most High, and praised and honored him that liveth forever. So in this chapter, he had gone from saying, my God, Bel, to I exalted the name of the God in heaven. A faith that forgives. Now, chapter number five, it's been 23 years between chapter four and chapter five. Sometimes we don't get the timeline or the time in scripture when it's chapters that are right after each other. But there's 23 years between these chapters. There's a new king. This king is the king that had a party and all of a sudden this hand came out 
of nowhere and inscribed on the wall. And the king went from throwing this great party to scared to death of what he had just seen. And he asked for people to come in and interpret what God or what, what had been written on the wall. And nobody could do it except Daniel. And this, I think, is, is valuable for us today. Because what I'm going to show you is what our world needs in Christians, in people that have a faith today. They couldn't find anybody to interpret until the queen came in and said these words. Look at verse number 11. There is a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods and in the days of thy father light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods was found in him. Whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, thy father, made master of the magicians and astrologers, Chaldeans and soothsayers. Jump down to verse 14. This is the king talking to Daniel. I have even heard of thee, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. Light is greater than darkness. And we need a faith that will shine in this dark world. We need believers that will live what they fully believe. We need believers that will live to a dark world. We need believers that will stand up for what is right. We need believers who are holding on to a faith that is exciting and fun. And, and we realize that we can run into any situation or difficulty. And it doesn't have to be burdensome and weary. Daniel chapter 6. And we're done. Daniel chapter 6. This is the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And this is where we have a faith that believes that God is greater. You say greater than what? Just greater than everything. God is greater. Daniel, at, in chapter number six, Daniel is almost 80 years old. So many times we have this picture that Daniel is a young man standing in the lion's den. Daniel is not young. Daniel is 80 years of age here. And they conspired, the rulers, not the king, but the rulers. There's a new king in chapter number six. The rulers underneath him conspired to get Daniel thrown in prison, thrown in the lion's den, because they were sick of Daniel. And the only way they could find anything wrong with him was through his faith, through his belief. So Daniel's faith was inflated. Daniel's faith was intact. Daniel's faith was something that they knew, that they saw, that they saw the impact of. And Daniel's faith was what they were now going to attack. So it was now going to be an offense to him constantly. And they finally got the king to write a law that says, if anybody asks anything of any God or any person in the next 30 days, they get to be cast in the lion's den. And the king at this time thought that he was and was revered as God. And so he signed this law. When the men came back and said, we caught Daniel praying, the king realized that he had been set up and was, was put into a trap. And they took Daniel and they threw him in the lion's den. The king, the night before this happened, the king stayed up all night trying to figure out a way to make this so it didn't happen. But Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. And I want you to look at verses 19, start in verse number 19. 
go to verse 18. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? You know what the world is asking us today? Christians, is your God able to deliver you? Is your God able to deliver you? This last year through COVID, so many people, Christians included, have been scared to death. And the world is asking us, is your God, whom you serve continually, able to deliver you? Now, I know that through COVID, there was, there is a real sense of, of problem. I do understand that's a real thing and people, including our pastor, was, was in the hospital as a result of it. I'm not saying we don't take precautions. But in life, there is a God who is greater than anything that we could ever face. There is a God who knows exactly what is happening and there is a God who wants to give us the position of power within our society, within our world, that the world looks at us and said, is your God greater? I know everything that I'm trying is not working out. Is your God greater? Is your God more powerful? Is your God stronger? This morning, I want to ask you, which one of these represents your faith? Is your faith fun and exciting? Is your faith used to, to push the gospel into this dark world? Is your faith a light or is your faith simply exhausting? And you're just ready to give it up. You're just ready to walk away. Because it seems like I have the exact same thing that he does. It seems like that I have the same uh, belief that he does. It seems like I have the same handles to hold on to it that he does. But I'm just exhausted from trying. My friend, today, you don't have to be exhausted. We need a faith that is like Daniel's. There's a man by the name of Jordan Peterson who is a psychologist. And I've listened to him. He's an unsaved man. But he, he battles this idea and thought of faith. He battles the idea and the thought that there is a God that came down to man. There is this idea of perfection which was embodied in Jesus Christ. And I struggle to believe it because of the things that I am experiencing in my own life. And he recently did a podcast with a, with a Christian, and I, I don't know to what extent this man was a Christian, but he did a podcast together with him. And Jordan Peterson, an unsaved man, as far as I understand, made this statement, and it absolutely blew me away. 
the, the Christian asked him, why don't you believe it? And here's, here was his response. He said, it's too terrifying to believe. And as he spoke those words, he was literally breaking down. It is too terrifying to believe. How would a person live who actually believed that the narrative and the objective world touched? How would a person live who actually believed that the narrative and the objective world touched? The narrative is the story of Jesus Christ. The objective is our physical world. The seen and the unseen when they touched. And Jesus Christ became a man and died on the cross here for you and for me. He said, how would a person live who actually believed that? He said, the reason that I cannot take that step is because I see how people who say they believe that, how they actually live. What Jordan Peterson is saying is this is what I expect of people who say they believe in Jesus Christ. And that's what I see. This morning, where are you? Where's your faith? Is your faith full? Is your faith like Daniel's? Willing to take a stand? Willing to do what's right? Willing to go through any trial so that God can be glorified? Willing to face any situation? Willing to pray? Willing to believe that God is stronger? Which one are you this morning? Let's pray.